0: Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to The Wayfinder Show. This episode contains a very powerful and entertaining interview with our good friend, Mark Owens. However, I wanted to warn you that there is more coarse language in this episode than our typical interviews. So just be aware that there are quite a few F-bombs that get thrown around. So if that is an issue for you, please listen at a different time or check out one of our other episodes. Thank you for your understanding. Welcome to The Wayfinder Show with Adam Lacey and Luis Hernandez, where guests discuss the why and how of making changes in their life that led them down a greater, more authentic path, or allowed them to level up in some area of their life. Our goal is to dig deep and provide not only knowledge, but actionable advice to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. Come join us and find the way to your dream life.
1: All right, welcome back to the Wayfinder show. We are here for part two with Mark Owens. And uh, if you don't remember who Mark Owens is, just a quick little recap. It doesn't do his justice, so please go back and listen to part one, because uh, he's got some really great stories. Uh, but Mark uh, grew up in Baltimore. He uh, he had a pretty troubled youth. He got into a lot of trouble, uh, got into drugs, uh, hitchhiking, uh, that led to homelessness and uh, eventually he bec- uh, got into robbing, stealing, and, and he robbed a bank. And that obviously led him to jail. Uh, and while in jail, he had a few, uh, you know, uh, breakthroughs that really helped him change his life to become the successful man he is now. A lot of those they talked about are he started by reading a book. Uh, I think you can, if you think you can. He also uh, had somebody come into his life, a lawyer, uh, who told him, hey, you do your time and do well here and you can be out by 30 and start all over again. You don't have to carry the, your baggage with you. Um, he wrote to the love of his life when he was in high school and who eventually, uh, you know, they reignited their, their old sparks and and now um, uh, are married. And then he also, uh, another thing he did was he started a bank account while in jail that eventually helped him uh, be able to start investing. He came Came out, started working different jobs, and eventually realized, uh, you know, he got into real estate and built a big portfolio of over a hundred doors. And uh, he's now a well-known speaker throughout the Baltimore area for real estate and very successful. Welcome back, Mark. Did I do you any justice in your recap of your life there? Uh,
2: <laughs> it, you know, it always feels kind of funny hearing somebody else say it all. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate everything. I appreciate the opportunity to reach out and, you know, possibly make a difference in someone else's life and, you know, maybe give them a different way of looking at things where it makes a a difference. And I appreciate you both for putting this platform together to allow myself and others to, you know, to get the message out.
1: Thank you. Yeah. You've made a, a big difference in a lot of people's lives, including my own. So thank you, Mark. One one story that I know about you that I really like the audience to hear is about how years after you got out of jail and you had started to get your life together and were already having some success, you went and looked for the officer who eventually arrested you and got you to jail. Mm-hmm. Can you share that story with us real quick? Sure.
2: So, uh, you know, when when I was in that lifestyle, I did a lot of terrible things and I felt a lot of guilt about it. Uh, like I, I was, you know, I know right from wrong. I know it's not like it's not right to go like steal or rob and stuff like that. And I felt really you know, bad about it, even though I was doing it like I was a drug addict. I was a junkie and I, I couldn't really help myself at the time. So after I'd been out of jail for maybe 10 years and I had, you know, my life was going really well, married, son, great business, like, you know, respected member of community, you know, the community doing well. And I thought that I really wanted to reach out to the, the cop that arrested me in 1989 you know, for the robberies and the stolen cars and all that stuff. I just wanted to reach out to him and thank him because if he wasn't doing his job that night, you know, if he hadn't stopped me, then, you know, I probably wouldn't be here right now. So I wanted to thank him and apologize to him for all the shit that I did. Not that I did anything directly to him, but, you know, he's in law enforcement and I just, you know, he's out looking for guys like me. And I just really wanted to apologize for all that shit and let him know how you know, things turned out, that he made a difference, like he saved a life. And so I found him on Facebook. I sent him a message asking, you know, did he used to be a cop in the Eastern District of Baltimore City? And he didn't respond. And then a couple of weeks later, I sent him another message and I just said, Hey, man, listen, you arrested me September 8th, 1989. Had a couple dozen armed robberies, had a federal arrest warrant for a bank robbery, you know, a bunch of stolen cars, just, you know, all that kind of shit. And, uh, and I just want you to know that you saved my life and that I really appreciate that. And I'm really sorry for all the shit that I did. I really regret it. And uh, today, my life has turned out like really amazing. And it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for you. And I just want you to know that I really appreciate it. And so he, uh, I still get a little emotional talking about it. So he he actually responded to me, and uh, we messaged each other back and forth on Facebook Messenger. And then, as it turns out, I was sitting in Florida eating dinner. I was like out. I was I go on vacations a lot. I was in Florida by myself, and I'm sitting at a dinner, you know, and I'm looking at Facebook while I'm waiting for my steak or whatever the hell I was getting. And I saw that he was right down the street, him and his girlfriend, like maybe an hour down the road in Florida. And I messaged him and asked if we could meet. We ended up meeting in a parking lot at a shopping center on the Gulf Coast of Florida, like, you know, a couple hours later. We probably sat in that parking lot and talked for like three hours. And I've got his number on my phone. We haven't talked in, it's probably been a year and a half or something like that. You know, we touch bases every now and then. But today, like, I'm happy. I'm proud to call him a friend. And and I think that he, you know, it it made a difference to him as well, because he saw that, you know, all the bullshit that cops have to go through and all like it, it really can make a difference. And it definitely made a difference in my life and my family's
0: life. So that is that story. So just curious, did he show up with backup and stuff just in case you're going crazy <laughs> or if you had yeah, a lot yeah. of conversations with him yeah, prior we, to this parking lot meeting?
2: Yeah, I think that the conversations that we had had prior to that parking lot meeting, like he realized like, you know, I mean, you can just look at my Facebook and see like, I'm, you know, I'm not a different dude. crazy yeah. junkie anymore. Like I'm really like, you know, a decent person. Yeah. So yeah, there was no, I mean, he, he might have been carrying. I don't know. It's Florida. I hope he was.
1: Hey, Mark, one of the things as we we're going over part one, I know the questions that kept coming up, we were curious. <laughs> how much did you steal from the bank? <laughs> Nobody
2: ever asks that question. Is and, it how much How much did I steal or how much did I get away with?
1: Yeah, I guess, two, yeah, I guess because they're
2: two different numbers. What they say and what really happened are two different numbers. And I don't want to implicate myself in oh. something else. So. <laughs> I'm just gonna take the fifth one.
1: Tell know, us the number. Of, tell us the number that won't get you back in jail. It was five <laughs> digits.
2: It was five digits. Okay. Excluding okay. the
1: ones to the right of
2: the decimal point. Yeah, because because <laughs> you gotta remember the night, the day after the sheriff tried to lock me up, the feds raided my apartment the very next day. Right. And they and they found like just about everything.
1: So, Mark, one of the um you, you seem to have a, a lot of like recurring themes, like core values. It almost seems like that, that you have that developed over your story. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just want to go through a few of those and just talk maybe a little bit more if they, if we're right in seeing these as, as your core values and, and how they how you've used them and how, you know, what kind of results you've had from them. Okay. And I'd like to start with like, um, you're you're incredibly authentic, you know, vulnerable and transparent. Just from there, there was that time when you, you when you got arrested, and you just confessed to everything, right? Uh, right away, you just decided, all right, I'm just going to tell them everything, uh, which wasn't something I think you were doing until that point, right? And uh, and then it just led to you becoming much more and more transparent and vulnerable, uh, and authentic. Can you talk more about that and how that's affected you since?
2: Uh, sure. I think that it, the story really starts like way before I even started doing drugs, like just growing up, you know, until I started like getting involved in a drug lifestyle, like I was a good kid, you know, like I would go around and collect money for charities and, you know, bang on doors, like collecting money. People never heard of it today, but it was like Jerry Lewis had a telephone to collect money from us. Oh, or, yeah. And yeah. I went around banging on all the doors, never took a nickel out of the collection bucket, you know, used to work, you know, cut grass and shovel snow and all that stuff to make money and was, you know, like just, I don't know, compassionate and just, you know, kind of decent. And then the drugs came. And then once I got out of the drug lifestyle, the person that I was before the drugs was still who I am. Like it didn't change who I, you know, I was still the same person. Once you peel away all the drug shit, I was still the same person I was when I was 11 years old. And so I don't, I don't think that anything happened that made me like that. I think I was always like that. It was just the drugs hit it because, of, gotcha. you know, you get involved in just so much bullshit that it's hard to believe that you're actually a nice guy, but you remove the drugs and and I am.
1: So how was that? Why are you laughing? That what was that you? about? What was that about? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're a very nice guy. Mark. I'm not
2: always nice. I mean, I'll come out to Denver yeah. right now and slap you. <laughs> <So>.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So how how has that helped you though? I mean, uh, not just being nice. Again, in particular, yeah. I'm I'm like the transparency, the the vulnerability, right? Like I'm thinking back to the time you wrote that letter to your wife, to mm-hmm. your now wife, right? right? And you just told her how you you know you didn't want to you you broke up with her because you didn't think you were worthy of her, right? And yeah, and that was true. that takes a lot of vulnerability, and um, and authenticity, and and sharing that. You know, she still rejected you at first, but eventually, you know, you 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 got your you got your uh, mate for life, and 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 it's made your life a lot better place. So, so are there other examples like that? How what led you to start doing this?
2: Yeah, I think that you know, I realized a long time ago that you know you've heard the phrase "honesty is the best policy," and it really is most of the time. Most of the time, you know, if you're you know, you're, you're on your way out to dinner and your wife says, how do I look in this dress? The answer is always you look amazing, like always. Yeah. <laughs> so, But other than that, I think I think that honesty is the best policy. I think that when people see that you're, you know, that you are brutally honest and that, and that doesn't mean like mean to people like nasty. I mean, you can be tell people the truth, something that might be hurtful to them, but you can use some diplomacy to say it where it's not so offensive. I think that it just it just makes the world a better place when we're decent. And I think people are attracted to that. People want to do business with people that they know they can trust. You know, whatever kind of bit, whether it's, you know, people that want to lend me money or people that want to, you know, do whatever. I just think that, you know, I think that when people see that, see that you live it and that you're consistent with it, not just now and then, but like that's always who you are. When you're like that, it benefits everyone. And so I, you know, I don't know if there was ever like a strategy or a plan to it, but those are just my general observations after years of reflecting on those qualities that I have, and I and I feel the same way about other people. Louis, you're the same way. I've known you for years, and I know you know there's been periods of your life where things weren't really going that well, and you were always you know like very transparent and honest about everything, which is why we're still friends. Because thank you. Even though you had you know things going on that weren't the best in your life, you wrote it out you know like a hero, and you were just completely honest about everything. And that's and that's why we're still friends. So you can see, like you could ask yourself the same question, and I think you'd give the same answer.
0: So the vulnerabilities obviously helped you in your relationships, your marriage, your friendships. Do you feel like that's also increased your ability to earn in in the business space as well?
2: Oh, uh, there's no doubt about it. This is just a real quick story that I'll tell you. And uh, years ago, my the person that I bought used appliances from and that also repaired my appliances invited me out to lunch, which I thought was kind of weird. But, you know, so I got to lunch with the guy and he says, hey, Mark, I am just want to let you know that I'm uh, I'm selling my business in January and I'm going to have a million dollars. Do you want to borrow it? Now that came out of left field I mean this is like a guy I buy like stove from now he wants to let me a million dollars and I asked him I said, you know Glenn, I'm just curious like why'd you call me like you really don't know me that well and um uh, I'm sure you know known other people in this business for longer than me and then you know them better than me and he said that my tenants were my reference uh and of course, I was confused about that like how's my section eight mama my reference <laughs> To vouch for me to give you a million dollars or, you know, to borrow a million dollars. And he said that he could tell by the way I treated my tenants, how good of a person I was. He said, my tenants never complained about me when they went to fix something. They never complained that my stove ain't work for six months or my landlord don't fix shit. Like they never, the, uh, all of my tenants had nothing but good things to say about me. And his thoughts were, if I treat my tenants that good, how well am I going to treat him? And so that's an example of how being decent comes back to help you in ways that you don't expect. I mean, I like there was never any intentional. I'm going to be nice to my tenants. And one day my appliance man is going to want to lend me a million dollars. Like I could have never foreseen that. And you uh, know, another attorney that I use for my real estate transactions asked me one day, just have the clear blue sky like, Hey, Mark, you know, if you ever want to borrow any money for any of these deals, like, you know, let me know. I'd be happy to work with you. And he doesn't lend money to anybody, but he wanted to lend money to me just because he sees how I run my business. So when you when you run your stuff like you know with transparency and honesty and ethically and all that stuff you can't always predict exactly what good things are going to happen in the future but they are going to happen it's just it's just the nature of business
0: you had mentioned another story off camera i want to get into can you tell people about your hitchhiking story
2: sure this this is one of these things that happened in my life where when it exactly when it happened I didn't realize how powerful it was. And it, it's like this. I was in, I was living, I wasn't living, I was homeless in California, and I had to get back to Baltimore. And the only way I could get home was to hitchhike or walk or something. And uh so I started hitchhiking hitchhiking back and from LA, and I wound up, I was at an intersection in Needles, California, where there's a little road 95 that goes up and meets like Interstate 40 or I-40. And, uh, I, I come up to that ramp and I walk up and there's a guy sitting underneath of a tree and I just, you know, I'm walking up and I'm like, Hey, and he's like, man, this place sucks. And I, you know, I said, why? And he says, man, I've been sitting here for two days and haven't gotten a ride. And I'm thinking to myself, like, yeah, that really fucking sucks. And, and I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm not just going to sit here underneath the damn tree like I want to go home. So I'm going to start walking. It might take me three months, but I'm walking. I'm going to, I'm just going to start moving. And uh, I started walking down the ramp and I got maybe a hundred yards away from the guy. It was either the first or second car that was coming by and I turned around, stuck my thumb out and they pulled over and it was a little red old beat up pickup truck with a older man and woman in the, you know, driving it. And they asked me how far I was going. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm heading to the East coast. I said, I'll go as far as you can take me. And the guy says, well, we're going to Kingman, Arizona. Is that okay? And I was thinking like, yeah, that guy's been sitting here for two days. Fucking right. Like I'm, I'm ready. So he told me to just jump in the back of the truck and I'm, I got in the back and I'm looking out, you know, I'm looking down the street and I see that guy sitting under the tree, like looking at me. And I'm thinking like, go like, man, like, let's get the fuck out of here. Cause I don't want that guy running down, you know, trying to get in the back too. Like I'm trying to lose that guy. And, uh and they took off and they dropped me off in Kingman, Arizona. And, and the lesson was, and there's actually another lesson right behind it. The lesson was that uh when you need help with something, like start taking action. You know, if, when you're taking action, people are going to be more willing to help you then if they just see you sitting on the side of the road, like a loaf, you know, not doing anything. And so that guy sat there for two days, not getting a ride. I got a ride within like three minutes because I was taking action. And, and then what happened next was I got to I got dropped off at a truck stop in came in Arizona. And I was there for maybe, I don't know, five minutes. And I saw a trucker and I just, you know, and I just randomly asked, Hey man, are you heading east? And he said, yeah. And I said, look, man, can I go with you? I said, look, I'm clean. I'm not, you know, like I don't need anything, you know, I'm just looking for a ride. And he agreed. And I went from Kingman, Arizona to near, near Gary, Indiana, just because I asked for help. And, and I don't think he stopped at all, man. I made it from LA to Baltimore in four days. I mean, it's like 750 miles a day. And I don't think he stopped. I, I can't remember, honestly. Uh, and then when we got to that truck stop where he dropped me off, there was an old guy that I saw that had just pulled up and he had California tags on his car. And I looked at him and I mean, the guy had to be in his, at least in his 70s. And I said, boy, you sure do have a long way to go. And he said, well, I haven't even gotten to where I'm going yet. And I said, really, where are you heading? And he said, Baltimore, Maryland. Hmm. And I said, "Listen, man, I live in Baltimore. I'm heading that way too. Is there any way I can ride with you?" And he gave me a ride. So it was it was asking for help. Like these two times, I asked random strangers for help and ended up getting from Kingman, Arizona, to Baltimore, Maryland, in two rides just just by asking people, just by being you know, being nice, you know, and just not acting like an ass, and uh, and yeah. not acting like the guy underneath of a tree complaining that nobody's helping him without taking, putting any effort into helping himself. And so I realized later on that how powerful that is. And I wish I didn't even realize it at the time. I was just doing what I do. And, but now that I was able to reflect upon that and see this pattern, then I'm able to Tell other people about it. So maybe if they don't think about it themselves, like they'll, you know, this will just plant some seed in their mind where they think, yeah, I want to learn about real estate investing. Let me find another person that is already doing it successfully and see if I can take them out to lunch. Like that's what it's all about. I don't, that doesn't have to be hitchhiking across the country. It could be like, hey, you want to open up a, I don't know, a Planet Fitness franchise or you want to become a real estate investor or maybe you're thinking about going to college and You want to be a social worker, but you're not really sure if that's what you want to do. Maybe you should talk to some people that are currently social workers and find out what their day-to-day life is really like. And I think that if more people took action like that, then more people would find success in whatever they want to achieve. Or maybe they might change directions. If you find out that the social workers are all miserable, they're underpaid, overworked, and nobody appreciates them, then maybe you might decide, yeah, you know what, I like the idea of being a social worker, but that doesn't sound like the life I really want and then they could be an accountant.
0: I don't know if you're spiritual or religious or anything like that, Mark, and we can talk about it in a minute, but just when you throw things out in the world, sometimes things just tend to line up for you. If you have the right mindset, it kind of reminds me of one of my favorite books, The Alchemist, about how, you know, when you, Mm. when you, when you truly want something, when you're chasing your true, authentic, personal self, the universe just kind of conspires to help you achieve it. And that's kind of what, Came out of uh, your story for me. I don't know. Are you spiritual at all, or, or have any thoughts I, about the universe or God or anything I, of that nature? Listen,
2: I have a million questions. I have no answers, but I do. I am spiritual in a sense. I I don't how do I put this. There's a thing called synchronicity. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's when seemingly like unrelated events happen but they're all related. And if you can recognize those patterns, then sometimes, and it's hard to do, and it takes like, you have to have an open mind to it. But once you're able to recognize these patterns, then it kind of steers you towards the next step that you should take. And and these are patterns that you can literally, it's not just like a feeling or anything like there's things that actually happen. Uh, Like for instance, let's say that you really are, like you're talking, you know, you're out at lunch and, you're, and you've are and you been thinking like, man, I really would be interested in opening up like, a, you know, some kind of franchise, like maybe a, I don't know, McDonald's. And you're talking to me about it. And I'm, you know, saying, man, that's interesting. That's great. Have you done any homework or anything? Well, I've been reading about it online at all. And then like two weeks later, you're on a plane flying somewhere to visit family and you're talking to the guy next to you. And he says, yeah, own a McDonald's franchise. Like that shit happens. And that yeah. to me, it's like, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know. But that to me would mean like, okay, I got to talk to this guy. We got to go out to lunch. I got to connect with this guy because the universe just put this person in my life. And there's a reason for it. And yeah. I, I need to take action. And once you do, then, you know, you're later, you own a McDonald's franchise. It just happens. But what happens the most is that these seemingly unrelated coincidences pop up and people don't take action.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And once you start to recognize it and you take the action then shit happens.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And I know for me, there's so many times in my life where things like that have come true that I, I've tried to really seek out ways to cultivate it, like different mastermind mm-hmm. groups, mentorship groups, coaching programs. Have you Um, been a part of groups like that to try to help, help spread that?
2: You know, unfortunately I haven't, I was in one group for a while that I started with some friends. Uh, It was called the tribes and and it was, we actually started Mm -hmm. a bunch of them and it was myself and five other friends that met once a month to talk about uh, our health and our family and our, and our wealth. You know, it's like wealth was last because we're, as business people, like we're always talking about work, like we're always, hey, I'm going to buy this apartment building. Hey, I'm going to flip this house. Like we're always talking about that shit. But let's talk about your family. Like, how's your family life going? And mm-hmm. how's, you know, your relationship with your significant other, whether it's your husband or wife or whatever, How, like, how's that going? Your kids and your parents, like, and what steps can you take to maybe make that better? Like, is your work getting in the way of having, you know, healthy relationships with your family and your friends? And then, so that was like always the most, that was the first thing we talked about because in our mind, that was the thing that maybe we neglected that in health. And uh, so we always made that the first thing we talked about. Then we talked about our health. Like, you know, are we are we fat? Are we lazy? Is our blood pressure jacked up? Is, you know, like what's going on? And, you know, do we have any goals to, you know, to change that, to fix it? And let's, you know, let's hold each other accountable. And then we'd meet again the next month and talk about it. And, uh, and I thought that that really made a a huge difference in our lives at the time. Then things happened. Some of the people moved away. One guy passed away. Uh, and so, you know, just things, you know, that, that kind of fell apart, but it was really valuable when we had it. And I, I'm i I'm a very strong advocate for stuff like that, even though I've resisted it in the past. I, and this is a mistake that I've made. And I hope that uh, you and, and anybody that's listening to this doesn't make this mistake that I've made. I've always thought to myself, I can just do it myself. I'll figure it out. It takes me this long to figure it out myself. Yeah. with a coach or a mentor or, you know, some type of group that I'm a member of, it can shorten the learning curve down to here. Yeah. And I've always, you know, so I think I've wasted a lot of time just trying to figure out stuff on my own. So I, I wish, it, I'm actually looking for, um, a different kind of group to join right now to work on myself to, and I don't even know and part of the problem for me is right now like I don't even know what I want to do because I don't I don't have to work I got enough money coming in where I don't need to do anything but I still feel some kind of like I need to be doing something else I've been traveling full-time for the most part uh my wife's a travel nurse now so like it gives me a lot of free time like and I just, I don't know if I'm going to start another business. It's not going to be real estate. I don't know if I'm going to start something else or what, but I think that having access to a group of peers that you can bounce things off of and also and help them as well. I think that those things are in my life, they have been something that I've neglected to put more effort into, but I would strongly encourage anyone else
1: to do it. Yeah. I know Adam and I actually met through a group of mastermind group, it's a nation, a worldwide one uh, called GoAbundance, but the uh, but we we met through a local chapter here that we kind of formed informally. We've kind of informally created one. Hope they don't start charging us for <laughs> having. I told a local you, I, I,
2: I looked into joining abundance <laughs> and uh, it just I think it's a great group. I was just looking for something different. Sure. You know, so, but I think it's like you know. I would encourage anyone that you know looks into them and you know researches them and finds out that that's what they're looking for. Like, man, join it. You know, I mean, you can't go yeah. wrong by becoming a part of a group of like-minded people that have the same you know common goals.
1: Totally. Yeah.
0: So, what are you looking for, man? Let's throw it out of the universe right now. Let's <laughs> let you so that, at you next week.
2: That is the biggest issue right now. Is I'm so indecisive. You know, I talked to my wife and it's like, Hey, what if we bought a 10 acre farm in Georgia and started adopting all of the dogs and pounds that nobody else wanted? You know, like we could go all around Mm -hmm. the country and get like the 13 year old dog. That's on his last legs. And he's been in the shelter for five years and nobody wants him and just like start collecting all these animals and provide them with like a loving home for their, you know, for their final days. And then it's like, well, what if I did buy a planet, you know, planet fitness franchise. (laughs) It's like, I'm all over the damn map. And it's just this indecision that I have that frustrates me to no end. Cause I, I've got access to a lot of resources. I've got, I've got time. I got money. I got location independence and it's like, so now what, you know? And so my, my next thing is I want to go scuba diving in Antarctica. Nice. It's a long story <laughs> already
0: taking the steps to make that happen. So. Oh yeah. Wow. So along those lines, what, what do you do for fun? Other than scuba diving in Antarctica and picking you know, up stray dogs.
2: You know, I got a, I got my pilot's license like probably eight or nine years ago. And that was just out of boredom. Like I never really wanted to fly planes. But I, I think I was sitting at home and I just Googled one day like, you know, shit to do or something. And that's one of the options that came up. And I said, no, all right, I'll get my pilot's license. It'll give me something to do for, you know, a year. And so I did that. And uh, I don't fly that much. I usually just go random and then fly around and then it's like, all right, what next? I do scuba dive uh, as much as I can, as much as practical. Uh, My wife and I have a condo in the Cayman Islands that we bought maybe four or five years ago. So we go there a lot and I scuba dive there a lot. I started this, and it's funny, I'm in South Dakota right now, staying at a bed or not a bed and breakfast, an Airbnb. And this is the starting point of another hobby that I have maybe 10 or 11 years ago, my wife and I stayed at a Airbnb in Custer, South Dakota. And when we were there, I was looking through this travel brochure and it said, Hey, you know, hike to the top of the highest mountain in South Dakota, Harney peak. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, it's only the trail has like 20 minutes from where we're staying at. So a couple of days later I went and hiked up to the top of this highest mountain. I think it's called black elk peak. Now, hiked up to the top of this uh, mountain And then like a few weeks later, I was sitting at home in Maryland and I was asking myself, what's the highest point in Maryland? I looked it up and then I discovered like there's a whole list of all the state high points and there's people that like this is their hobby to go to the highest point of all 50 states and all this. So then I got into that. As of right now, I've been to the highest point of 42 of them, two of them with Louie, one in Nevada, one in Colorado. three. Uh, Why didn't, which one? Three and and a half. New Mexico. Oh, we did. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, New Mexico. So. We did that one, and then the half was California, where I failed that one because I'm fat and lazy. That's a different story. But so, there's gonna are get you up there. I, I, you're my sherpa. You're gonna have to carry me up.
1: Yes, <laughs> whatever it takes, yeah. man.
2: So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm always looking for different shit to do. I have some hobbies, like I collect postage stamps and just old school shit like that. But I, I've got a lot of different things that I that I'll try.
1: Was there was there anything out there that you really want to leave the listeners with, Mark? Yeah, I do. Before yeah, we go into another set things, of... Uh,
2: there are a couple of things Spotify. that I want to say. And I'm going to make this like really easy. Uh, the now I'm in the real estate business, and you might be heading in that business. You might be heading in a different business. The which business you're heading in isn't really relevant. But what your goal what I would suggest that your goal would be would be you want to be the most well known, well respected person in that business in your market, whatever it is, whether you're a plumber or you're a real estate developer, whatever it is, you wanna you want everybody to know who you are and everybody to think well of you when your name comes up. So then the question is, well, how do you do that? You participate in any types of groups. If there's, if you're a real estate investor like I am, you get a real estate investor association meetings. And you keep going and keep going. And if there's a Facebook group for investors in your area, you contribute to that. You offer helpful advice to people and stuff like that. And that develops your reputation. Uh, Maybe you want to be a trucker. Well, I'm sure there's some kind of truckers association or something that you can join and where you can start to connect with other people that are in that business. So I would say that your network is huge. Like never underestimate the value of that. Your reputation is just as huge. And the next thing that I would say is really important is you need to manage your time effectively because time is limited. Like, you know, we, all, we only have 24 hours a day. You know, the guy with the Rolex doesn't get any more time than the guy with the Timex. You know, we get 24 hours a day and don't waste it. Uh, the next thing that I think is really important is think long term. Especially with your money, like we all want to go by the nice house, the fancy car, and all this stuff. But is that really the best thing for your long-term financial outlook? And uh, I have followed that pretty well, and I've done, I've done, I've by far exceeded my own personal expectations of myself, and I think anyone else's has that's ever known me. And it was, it was just by those things: reputation, networking, thinking long-term, uh, and not wasting my time. Until recently, now I waste a lot of time.
1: So, I, I mean, you can argue that because you didn't waste your time building the success you have now, you you have more time to to waste now because of that. <laughs> that's true. Oh, that's true. Now,
2: I, was, I mean, I was working so much in the beginning that, I mean, my own mother, like, kind of yelled at me one day and said, I'm going to ruin my family and my health because I'm working so much. And I had a plan. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife and I talked to each other and, you know, like I told her what the plan was and I stuck to it. With her blessing, you know, and then my son said it best. He was talking to one of my friends, maybe seven or eight years ago. And he told my friend, he said, you know, my father was never home. And then one day he was always home. You know, like I I built it up and built Uh it up and built it up. And then I was able to like get out of the W-2 or 1099 work world and just focus on real estate stuff. And then I was like, I could run most of that business from my basement. Right. Right.
0: It's kind of like putting investments into your future self. You know, you're you're depositing exactly. the exactly. time now so you have the time later. And of course, there's a fine line, right? You also don't want to maybe work well, depending on your goals. But a lot of us don't want to work a hundred hours a week where you're missing your whole kid's life, and then all of a sudden you're sixty years old. And yeah, I agree. So it, it is a fine line,
2: but yeah, there's a yeah, yeah there is a balance. There. Yeah, there is a balance, and it's different for everyone. You know, it's yeah. like I mean, I was there for the you know, like you know, for the PT, you know, the parent meetings at school and, you know, sports events he was at, like, I made, you know, time for that stuff. But like, as far as like, you know, getting off work at five o'clock and sitting down, eating dinner, watching TV for four hours every night, like that didn't happen.
1: Mark, going back Mm -hmm. to the thinking long-term piece, Mm -hmm. what are some ways to go about developing that? Well, how, how, are there any like resources or any books you read, something that helped you just start thinking long-term? What is long-term? How can you go about thinking more long-term?
2: Yeah. I think, I think for me, a lot of it's driven by fear because like my, my biggest fear is to be like 70 years old and broke, you right. know, where I'm like seven years old and I have to work at Walmart to pay for my heart pills. Like that's a nightmare. And so I think that for me, a lot of my strategies and success has been based on how can I avoid that happening to me? You know, because, I mean, it's like, who wants to be seven years old and broke? Like, that's like a fucking nightmare, you know? So, you know, so many people, this is another thing is it, and you've heard this, like, if you've done the rich dad, poor dad, or talked to other people, it's like, you know, people work till they're 65 years old, they retire, and then they spend, you know, potentially they have another 11 or 12 years to live in the worst health of their life. Like, that doesn't sound good to me. Like, that sounds like it sucks. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to yeah. wait till I'm 65 years old and, you know, and every joint hurts and, you know, all that stuff before I enjoy my life. So I'm trying to get as much done the whole time as I can. So I wouldn't skip out on enjoying your life and, and wait till you're 65 to, to start enjoying things. You might not make it that far anyway. So, but for me, the, the thing that drove me was just the fear of being old and broke.
1: So when you were young and broke, mm-hmm. how did you go about, thinking long term then right you well, how you I have know,
2: how far back you get them before jail or after jail
1: either one let's let's start with before jail i think you yeah. you've mentioned a piece about the uh you you couldn't get food you 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 need a job and you didn't have food right yeah. so yeah
2: yeah that's you know i mean that's uh, i don't want to burn up the clock on that story but i mean i was literally like i hitchhiked i got kicked out of a drug rehab in virginia hitchhiked to florida had nowhere to go no money and just had to figure stuff out and with that, you know, it's just uh, there's just about always a solution to the problem. And sometimes you have to be like really creative. And, and for me, it was like, OK, I want to get a job. I need to you know get my shit together. But if I get a job, I'm not going to get a check for two weeks. And that means no money for two weeks. How the fuck am I going to eat? Now, I could go into grocery stores and, and steal shit, which I used to do, and or just grab shit and go in the bathroom of the grocery store and eat it as fast as I could. Go to homeless shelters, missions, stuff like that which I was doing, but it's like just during the day, you know, and if I got to be at work, then I can't eat. So the question was, well, how the fuck am I getting a job if I can't eat? I, just got, I don't want to go steal every night. I don't want to get locked up. And so I got this idea well, what if I got a job at a place where they sold food? Then I could eat when I'm at work. Like it might not be like the right thing to do. Like, you know, so I got a job at a hot dog stand in a, <clears throat> in a place called Jacksonville landing in Jacksonville, Florida. It was kind of like the inner harbor of Baltimore city. And uh, man, I was probably eating five hot dogs every time I worked, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like, but I had to, it's like, I, I had to eat. And so I guess, you know, for me, it was just at the time, like I, I wasn't, I couldn't think long-term like when you're like starving and you have nowhere to go no money, like right. you're just thinking, okay, I got to, where's my next meal coming from? And then once you're, you know, like, okay, I'm eating good. I'm gaining a few pounds, got some money in the bank. Then it's time to start thinking long-term. Like if you're right. if you're on the street with nothing, you can't be thinking about how's your life going to be in 10 years. You're right. in survival mode. You're not in thriving mode. You're in surviving mode. And so, you know, up until then, I, for me, it was just trying to stay alive. And, you know, it was either that or, you know, I, I didn't think I was going to live As long as I did, I thought I was going to, you know, if I kept doing drugs and all, I thought I was just going to die a young, probably violent death at some point. Yeah, once I got my shit together, uh, and I realized, like, okay, you're going to make it through this. You're going to clean your life up. You're going to be your best person. And then what? Then it was just, it just happened. It was just like, okay, I'm like, I got, I got a little bit of money in the bank. I'm eating. I got a job. And then it was just like, all right, now I got to start thinking long term. Do I want to go buy? bling to impress people today? Or do I want to save that money and invest it? And then, you know, the same people that were impressed by the bling, 20 years later, they're looking at me saying, man, you sure are fucking lucky. It's like, lucky, like, what the fuck are you talking about? I've worked for my shit. Like, I'm you know, I was very responsible with my money and all that, so There it wasn't no luck involved in it at all. That's one of the things like, if you want to piss me off, call me lucky.
1: Well, I think we're back to that point of the show where we do our rapid fire questions. So since we are doing two parts, you're going to have to give us two different sets of answers. So uh, bring it on. So, all right. So Mark, what is a hack that you use? Well, I think
2: a last one, I probably told you about the to-do list. You did. I, yeah, and that's, and I don't even remember telling you that, but that's like one of the big things I would say people relationships is also another mm-hmm. hack. When you've got the right people on your team, then your life gets a lot easier. So I would say that relationships are definitely a hack.
0: Name a favorite movie, band, book, whatever. <sighs> Man, movie, band, book. Already. Yeah, one of my
2: favorite movies was called Starman.
1: Okay.
2: Hmm. You have to look it up. I mean, it's like a tearjerker. It's like just it's a weird movie, but that's one of my favorite movies. Okay. It has nothing to do with life. It's just a weird movie that I really really liked.
1: What uh? What is something else you would tell your twenty-five-year-old self?
2: That you are the same person that you were before you started doing drugs. That's who you are. You're a good person. That that because that you know I was conflicted. Like I just you know I was like, man, am I like am I just a fucking born loser? Like is this it? Like am I really am I a bad person? I don't feel like a bad person, but I'm doing bad shit. So I would want to. Tell myself that that I'm not a bad person. I'm a good person.
0: And even if you've been doing bad things, like you said, it, it doesn't mean you're a bad person and you can always a, change.
2: It was the drugs, man. It was the, you know, yeah. the drugs that took control of my life. You know, here's go ahead. But listen, I want to I want to talk about something else that has made a difference in my life. And this is a relatively new thing for me. It's called 75 Hard. 75 Hard identifies this voice in our head that's called the bitch voice. And the bitch voice is that voice that tells us, you know, man, you can, you know, smoke one more cigarette, you can drink one more beer, you know, you can, you know, have a cheat day, you're on a diet, you lost three pounds, you can go get a cheesesteak and fries or a Big Mac. And that bitch voice, like identifying that and defeating that voice, because it's the voice that's always looking for the shortcut, the easy way, the need for immediate gratification. And if you can shut that voice down, then you can change your life. You know, I don't care if you're, if you're talking about health stuff, wealth stuff, family stuff, whatever. Shut the bitch voice down because the bitch voice only cares about today.
0: And if you guys want to hear more about 75 Hard, feel free to reach out to me or check out the Real AF podcast with Andy Frisella. I'm actually on day 41 right now, Mark. I don't know if you, you've you already been through it or...
2: I did I did the 75 and I did phase one, phase two. And when I was going to do phase three, I didn't do it because I was going to be hiking with Louie in nevada and california and i didn't got it i wasn't going to be able to like go have conversations with strangers when i'm in a fucking mountain with just him so it's like so i just but i'm actually starting 75 hard again in the next week nice, so we'll nice.
0: try to get through the whole you know live hard year that's great yeah i'm gonna do the same all right what is one more thing that you think holds people back from being happy
2: uh confidence in themselves Belief that they can't do it. I think that, I mean, I couldn't have been a real estate investor either until I had the confidence like, all right, let me go get one. And then the question was that I asked myself is, what's the worst thing that could happen? Like, what's the worst thing? A year from now, I decide I hate this business. I'm selling my rental. I'll never do it again. And I lose five or ten thousand dollars. Like, that's the worst thing that could happen. What's the best thing that happened? Well, I'm, I'm living it. I'm living the best thing that could happen. And it was because I got out of my own way. So I think, that, I think that people not believing themselves and having self-confidence probably destroys more dreams than anything else. If you don't have the self-confidence, you can get it. You have to surround yourself with other people that are moving in the direction you want to move and they can pull you with them, you know, and, and it can change your life. It's the, look it up, Jim Rohn. You're the, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Look it up, amazing wisdom there.
0: And just go ahead and provide those people value and and they'll take you along with them. Like Mark Yeah,
2: said. Yeah. It's not, yeah. You're not just sucking out of them, but you're giving as well. And you know, if you hang out, I'm just telling you right now, you hang out with five crackheads, you're going to start smoking crack. And if right. you hang out with five guys that are like, you know, you know, eating healthy and exercising and trying to improve their, you know, their physical health, then you're going to start eating better. And actually it's just going to be a natural thing that happens because yep that's your tribe that's your posse and you want to fit in so you're going to start doing what they're doing so that you do it's just it's an amazing thing so so i would say you know lack of self-confidence is one of the things that holds people back the most
1: going back to the uh the five people you surround yourself with just just to be really transparent with the audience and uh, one of the big reasons why Adam and I wanted to do this is because we want to surround ourselves more with people like yourself, Mark, and people who are really living life to the fullest and being very, and are successful in every aspect of their lives. And uh, we thought this would be a great way to do that and also share that with the world. So that's that's a big reason why we're doing this podcast. We, If if you don't have uh, five people around you that are doing the things you want to do, well, they can come to the show and they can find them and listen to people like yourself. And that's right. a great way of doing it as well. So thanks again, Mark, for everything you've, you, all the time you've given us, all the insights, the wisdom, uh, the inspiration. Uh, I hope a lot of people get a lot out of this and, uh, thanks again for your friendship and your participation.
2: Yeah, you're, you're both welcome. And I, I really appreciate this and I look forward to episodes three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and
1: 10. <laughs> you're going to have to come up <laughs> with some more answers for rapid fire there.
2: Yeah. I'll, I'll figure <laughs> something out.
1: Yeah.
2: I'll reach out to my five people that I surround myself with and ask them. All right, man. Thanks, Mark. You guys, take care.
0: We hope you've enjoyed The Wayfinder Show. If you got value from this episode, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and review. This will allow us to help more people find their way to live more authentic and exciting lives. We'll catch you on the next episode.